Many Jews who survived the Holocaust went to Israel and Palestine to start a new life after the war. However, there were those who were eager for revenge because they believed that the courts in Nuremberg did not lead to justice. They were ready to act independently and by radical methods to punish the guilty. Today, we talk about the real life Avengers. This is Casual History. Jeffrey welcome back hello hello yes we are back for another pod <laughs> how are you doing podcast today? episode it's your time it is my time, time. To shine I got coffee I'm ready to go I'm all prepared <laughs> so you hopefully tired, this turns Jack, out good you tired I'm a little tired I'm not gonna lie a little okay. bit this week's been already a little bit tiring but it's okay I'm here understood I'm excited for the podcast so uh it's an yeah. interesting opening you you started with. Yeah, you like that? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, curiosity provoking. I would say <laughs> that's right, and pop culture all in one. I thought that was a good good little thing yeah. To point but in there. it seems like pop culture has a dark side. Yes, um, and that's what this seems to be from my limited <laughs> understanding of what this um, band of people were. That's right. Well, don't worry. I'm going to give you lots of context up front, um, but mainly just to talk about the overview. The I think the whole point of this podcast that I have kind of like made here is I believe there's a large be- belief around uh, all this stuff that, that there weren't Jewish resistance during the Holocaust times, during World War II. And so I think these are stories that are very important to share and I wanted to share them. And they also obviously called themselves the Avengers, which is connected to the title, but I thought their stories deserved to be heard. And that's kind of why I uh, wanted to do this podcast today. Yeah, no, that sounds like a really interesting, uh, it is true. I, I will claim ignorance. I, you don't hear about, I didn't, I've never heard about a story of, uh, it just felt like, um, from everything I've read in history, right? You've heard about the concentration camps that happened. I, you never really did hear about any, um, fight back, I guess. Yeah. I think, I think the, uh, the tragedy overall kind of overshadowed every, every story about uprising and people fighting back and stuff. And so that was kind of my reasoning for the pod is because I thought the exact same thing. It all gets overshadowed very easily. Uh, because of the horrificness, na- the horrific nature of what happened, um, yeah. that a lot of these stories kind of get buried under that. Um, and you don't, I, I didn't know about a lot of that either. Yeah. So, uh, just to go ahead and start some of this context, Jeffrey, just to jump right in. Um, yeah, let's do it. All right. So, um, this, these stories are going to be about the din. Uh, din is a word in Hebrew for judgment. Um, and it was an essential part of the post-war revenge organization of Jews whose so, whose sole purpose was to hunt down and execute Nazi criminals in, in the immediate aftermath of the Second World War. So, some real black ops type shit. Some real yeah. The, like, I mean, this group was also known as the Avengers. Is what they called yeah. themselves um, during World War II. These revenge squads were primarily made up of Jewish Allied soldiers. 
After the war, Holocaust survivors also joined them. Um, Hmm. Among themselves, they operated in teams of three or four. Some were members of a formal unit established by Winston Churchill in 1944 called the Jewish Brigade. Wait, what? Okay, so some came from there or he sanctioned it? Yeah, it was a it was a formal unit called the Jewish Brigade. But wow. the Den the Den were like again uh from what I understand no they, rules had to operate underneath the code I'm assuming of, you know, war. Yes, but most people like again, most people in this Den group um did things their own way. Um Yeah, exactly. It's been okay. said that 6,000 men volunteered for this unit. And uh, Winston has, Winston Churchill has been quoted talking about them saying this. Uh, it seemed to me indeed appropriate that a special unit of the race which has suffered indescribable treatment from the Nazis should be represented in a distinct formation among the forces gathering for their final overthrow. That's wow. a direct quote. Um, the first known action taken by the Jewish revenge squads came in occupied France. Um, okay. On, so on D-Day, June 6, 1944, in case you weren't aware, um, <laughs> had set in motion the end of the occupation of France, but this took time to achieve. While the Nazi were still in, part of the, uh, still in parts of France, these squads set out to find those who they believed were guilty of crimes against humanity. Effectively, these squads took the law into their own hands as the men they found were given no formal trial as their guilt was taken as read. Um, they operated for 16 years between 1944 and 1960. Wow. And they were, and they were responsible for the deaths of about 1500 high ranking Nazi officials. Uh, wow. Whether the allied high commander knew about their activities during the war was not known, but it's almost certain that they did not. Well, if um, they sanctioned this group, like you said, and then the den kind of almost was like a group within the group is what it sounds like. Yes. It was kind of like a, yeah, started we're from that sanction. They come together for the ideals of the actual brigade itself, right? Like yeah. they all fought for the same cause, but how they did that cause and what kind was right. Yes, they kind of like yeah. chose to do whatever they wanted to do. Yeah, and that makes sense. the British kind of took up the look away, you know, kind of approach. That seems yeah, like. I, I, that's a curious. Um, that's a big fact, but th- I mean, that's has to be known. Right, like if if they're that much of a force, like you've mentioned, the stats of what they ended up supposedly what we know of doing, sure, um, taking out fifteen hundred high ranking officials, yeah, yeah, you kind of have to probably turn your turn your head, which is a curious statement itself. Um, yes, I, so it I don't seems like they didn't that. know what the group did because the, again, the official rules of uh, officially all captured Nazis were under the Jiva Convention. And it was made clear that the senior Nazis had to be imprisoned to allow for interrogation. However, these DIN squads had no intention of being held to this order. Yeah. So that basically saying that they did their own thing and got rid of them their own way. I, yeah. And and that number seems interesting to me too, when we're talking about this type of group who did things their own way, kind of even in the, in the striving for right revenge and maybe kind of justification for all the torture and horrific acts. Yes. Um, but that's an, int- I don't, I don't know the moral line there again. I'm not one to it's, put, put any moral line on it. I'm just trying to ter- interpret it myself and try to right. feel out 
how does right. that feel? Cause because obviously the easy part, like, again, it's hard to take a stance. I mean, obviously it seems easy to go, yeah, you're right. You know, the Nazis were pure evil and the things they did were truly horrific. Uh, you know, but it's just interesting that this all happened and I didn't know about this until now. Yeah. Um, but it makes sense that, that the amount of anger and just imagine um, the people in this Jewish brigade um, whose families they knew that had died to Nazis directly. Yeah, see, and like, then, then it all feels personal. Justified. Yeah, personal. Yeah, it and feels I, justified, the, these murders. Well, I mean, it's war. Is anything, you know, I mean, it's war. So yeah. I don't I don't know how to, I don't know. It's a moral. Yeah. For, it's a more, what's it? It's a, a trap. I don't know. <laughs> like, like, I don't, I don't know. It's um, hard for me to, to talk feel. about without like feeling that I'm like putting myself in a corner. Cause obviously I back like, yeah, the horrible things were done to them. It's almost like you, you want to say that they deserved anything else yeah, they got. Like you're rooting for these people to, of take, course, to take back what was their pride in their, the world that these people kind of, no joke them. So, it was an atrocity on all levels. And so part of you is just like, yep, wash your hands of it. Yeah. Man. Yeah. And so that's when I'm, when I'm talking about it, obviously it was throughout. I mean, first of all, when, when that kind of operation is happening, like you just mentioned, it started mm-hmm. with like a, a Winston Churchill going, it almost feels like this is justified. It only feels right for this group of people to be the ones to kind of. Yeah. In a formal brigade. Coffin in a formal part of the army so they know you know and then you and then they kind of do their own thing and i guess yeah i don't i don't know <laughs> i don't really have much to add to that but yeah the den were a subgroup of uh more like they're just joining because the cause is right right to be under a formal like to be fully sanctioned <laughs> underneath another government for it and not just illegally just like taking the law into their own hands yeah. But obviously, yeah, when it came down to the judgment of these officers, they did what they wished. Which is um, what I was kind of more trying to discuss. Maybe my thought went to the moral line of, right, you're yes. a commander, and then you're kind of turning your head. Um, right. I guess that makes sense. So It, it does um, kind of make sense. But I have a couple stories here. One is a, a very large one. Um, it's the one that kind of came up the most in this. And these also stories are all collaborated on. Um, they're still survivors of this group. I think there's a wow. couple left. Can and you so, imagine being part of that group and being able to like still be alive? That's wild. That's wild yeah. to see kind of the world we're in now. Yeah. And be part of this group that was, um, felt like, yeah, that, that's just insane. Sorry. No, it is. It is. And I guess he was uh, interviewed in 2017, uh, one of the members. But uh, all of them have kind of backed up this similar story of and plan of this large one. So I'm just going to go ahead and do the first yeah. story if you're down. Yeah, no, um, I'm interested. Go. Okay. So uh, a DIN unit acting on intelligence raided a house in Austria where they thought a Nazi party official was living. The team of three found the house littered with jewelry and clothes. The lady of the house told the three revenge squad men that it all belonged to the Jews at one time. The den men told the man that his wife that they would be executed for their crimes against humanity. Uh, but in a plea bargain, the former Nazi party official handed to the revenge squad a list of names and addresses of senior SS officials. 
Um, the names Parking, and addresses yeah. of the lower ranking officers were handed over to the British intelligence, but the unit kept the names of the more senior SS men to themselves. Obviously, huh. for their yeah, judgment. They, want, they were the ones who wanted to exactly make the um, hit. So they set out in the summer of 1945. Uh, the members of the group were equipped with false identities and forged papers and were sent to mingle with the Germans. Um, they had planned to poison the city's water supply, according to one plan, or to poison loaves of bread that were distributed to the German prisoners uh, in POW camps, according to another. Mm. Uh, two cities were chosen as targets for this revenge, Nuremberg and Munich. Um, Munich? Yeah, Munich. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> I got uh, you. Joseph Harmat was chosen to be in charge of the activity in Nuremberg. Um one of the symbols of the Nazi regime regime. Uh, his quote is saying, I was grateful to be chosen for this job. He said before his death in 2017, uh, working under him was Willick Shiner, who was hired to work Nuremberg center for distilling drinking water. Um, they discovered that he was able to obtain the plans of the water system and even gain control of the main valve at the time. So mm. they were like infiltrating the main parts of these cities. Mm -hmm. Um, so while the group members were preparing to carry out this mission, uh, Comner, who was supposed to provide them with the poison, but he lingered too long during a visit to Palestine. Um, only in December of 1945, did he return to Europe disguised as a soldier returning from the leave. Uh, according to his testimony before boarding the ship, uh, before boarding the ship, um, they provided him with the poison packaged in tubes of toothpaste and shaving cream. However, on his way back, he was detained by the British on deck after his forged papers aroused suspicion. Uh, the poison which he was holding was tossed into the sea. Hmm. So that kind of foiled their first plan in general. So they, so they actually did have to go undercover from, you said that was stopped by the British. Yes, yes, yes. So they did kind of have to take precautions from people from their yeah. own because what they were actually up to. Mm -hmm. They were they were using, um, obviously, the uniforms and the power that they had being in this British intelligence group, uh, this brigade, to get what they wanted to. But these plans were all their own. They were right. not like sanctioned plans. <laughs> to right. do this so yeah so even them they I wonder obviously stopped how their much first trouble attempt. they would get in if i mean sh maybe there's a story out there that we both don't know but if they got found out if one of these plans got found out if they were just i just wonder yeah. what would happened yeah i don't know um but I, they obviously found the poison and threw it overboard so they might have known and they were just like well we're gonna stop you <laughs> yeah like you can't do that especially without orders yeah, I also would assume too. You're, you're in a a war like war. Like, uh, it probably wouldn't be the best strategy to just let people do whatever they wanted. And so, if someone yeah. it could ruin a, a plan or plot that they like, the official in quotes official right strategy right. was to try to um, strike back. And then, if someone uh, interfered or did something before, then on a rogue group, yeah, that would be kind of uh, probably chaos. Right. And when you're talking about poisoning the water supply of an entire city, you're talking about innocent German civilians as well. 
Like you're not just killing German soldiers. Um, This is just literally meant for payback as many death toll count as possible. Yeah. Um, You're not trying to go for nuance, which again, you would suspect that the British, you know, if they heard about that, obviously would think that and be like, okay, okay, okay. Like you can't just do that on your own. Yeah. Um, You need orders for something that ambiguous and uh, all reaching. Bigger repercussions. Yeah. Yes. Um, All right. So the first plan was foiled just like that (laughs) very quickly. But uh, there was a plan B Jeffrey Um, after his detention, the aspiring Avengers waited in Europe uh, were determined to act. They switched to plan B poisoning the bread of German prisoners of war. The plot was supposed to be carried out simultaneously in Nuremberg and Dachau detention camps in mid-April of 1946. Uh, in advance, Leibel Destel, one of the Avengers, managed to be hired to work for the Nuremberg bakery that supplied the bread to the captives of the nearby camp. Uh, he was first thought to inject poison into the bags of flour in the warehouse, later into the mix, uh, dough mixers, and he finally reached the conclusion after consulting with a group of members that the poison should be spread on the bottom of the loaves after they're mm. done. Um, Distill gradually rose through the ranks until he was placed in the bread warehouse and learned how to arrange the loaves for delivery. There he discovered that the black bread was meant for German captives while the American staff received the better, more expensive white bread. Um, what happens if that gets switched on exactly, accident, you know? Exactly. <laughs> um, the, the poison was smuggled to them from a different source. Um, when the poison arrived, they raised a toast, uh, just to smuggle the poison into the bakery and bottles stashed under a raincoat. Um, in this bakery, he hid them underneath the wooden floor. Um, at night, after the other workers had left the bakery, the bottles were removed from the bottom of the floorboards, um, and at the same time, other members of this group emerged, emerged from with large bread baskets where they had been hiding and started to spread poison on the loaves with brushes. Okay, so to summary, summarize. Yes. They snuck the poison into the facility. The guy rose through the ranks, took the time to do that in the bread facility. That's right. The, the plan was he hid the bottles of poison under a raincoat and then his buddies were hiding in bread baskets, it sounds like. Yes, I guess they brought him in in bread baskets. And they were hiding in the bread baskets. That's pretty wild. Um, this is this is like a legit spy plan. Like you have a guy who infiltrates yeah. as a spy. Um, lets everyone else in, has the poison, yep. and then they start spreading it at the bottom of the pans Yes, where the loaves are. Okay, that my immediate gut reaction is you're going to, accidentally hurt someone on your route you're so like one it just takes one loaf of bread to not be eaten by one of those guys and somehow a guard takes it or some other you know on yeah one of your own basically dying it's um, definitely a risky plan uh it's risky again like he was saying he believed that uh he figured out that um uh, the american people were getting the white bread and the other were being served to germans so All that's, it takes that was is there. one loaf just not being there. I know. What if <laughs> yeah. one guy was picky and he was like, no, 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 I want the other loaf. <laughs> yeah. Might, might right. have liked his loaf crispy, you know? <laughs> I don't know. 
I don't know, but uh, it seems it's it's crazy how organized this feels. Like both times they well, had the same be. similar plan. You have to infiltrate. You know what I mean? Like they were among the people that they were wanting to kill for who knows how long it took to this get to is, that point. This is not a this is not a f- flash in the pan thought either. So no, it definitely takes a. It has to be yeah, like to to do that kind of operation. So did they exactly. succeed? What ended up happening? So they're spreading the the poison on the bread. Yes. What, what happens? Okay. So in the midst of the work, uh, when they had poisoned 3,000 loaves, they paused to kiss each other in joy is what's been reported. Uh, <laughs> so the AP new agency reported a few days later that 2,000 people had suffered from stomach poisoning with some ser- some in serious condition. However, to the regret of the Avengers, none of them died that we know of. So they don't know the what was wrong. Wasn't- yeah. I, I saw that um, it's possible that they spread it too thin. Like they had enough to that was supposed to be amount to kill somebody, but how they spread it maybe or circumstances kind of led it to, to it being thinned out a little bit. And so it was enough to obviously make them horribly, horribly sick, but to cause instant death, you know, it wasn't enough. Wow. So it's it's speculated of what really happened. I mean, obviously, I think I read some of the articles saying that uh, they didn't know for sure, but they definitely had the right amount. So yeah. they just executed it wrong somehow. Wow. Uh, yeah. So, th- but again, those numbers, we know that they wouldn't just release. Like, oh yeah, a uh, hundred people died last night. You know, <laughs> we don't know why. Just dropped dead. So we don't really know the true number. But so we some do people know that, could have actually died? Yeah, it's very possible. They were saying it, it's a very, like, again, fluid number. We don't know right. for sure uh, the real death count, but we do know that they reported that 2,000 people had suffered from st- stomach poisoning. But in their minds, their operation was a success. Or they ma- I think I in mean, their minds, it, it was a failure. Okay. Because they didn't kill anybody. I think the point was to kill in mass. Wow. Um, yeah, so I don't know I think, how to feel, man. I don't I know. like. I I, I don't really either. don't know how to feel. So, but I guess I don't have to have a feeling about it right now. I'm it's just hard to root to the for for Nazis. That's not what we're doing. But like, you know, what I mean, no, like, no, no. I just that kind human of human people general operation of trying to kill mass. Yeah, I, I don't know. It yeah. just pulls up a, a a weird feeling. I guess um, it definitely does. But so I think that that's Operation what, Plan B after the first one didn't right. kind of work either. <laughs> nope. So did these Avengers ever assemble? You know, <laughs> did, <laughs> did they like, ever did, assemble? I mean, they um, assembled, but you know, yes. Like, did, like they said in the beginning article, they had killed, you know, lots of top officers oh, yeah, that's and right. accidents. I'm, I'm putting in quotations, accidents. Um, uh, I don't know how many was believed were to their hands. Like again, um, not for like overseen, yeah. You know that they just took into their own hand deaths. But uh Well also I wonder if they you definitely would, were we successful would even know. in other ways. But I wonder if we would even know, right? Like if if they did carry some sort of mass action like this, would we even know or would it just be counted for in the count of, you know, people that perished in the war? I, I wonder what kind of stories would actually seep through today of yep. like a mass m- operation. Maybe it would, but that that's where my mind goes. We also, I also had a short story um, of somebody who was, again, uh, 
there was a short story about somebody who got caught by them as well. And when they killed him, the top SS officer, I guess he was working at a concentration camp. They found out that he had uh, forged some papers into thinking that he was a lesser ranking member, mm-hmm. but they knew differently and they had kind of found him out and killed him. But even like the people wouldn't admit that he died from a group of people. He, they said it, they literally called it an accident um, just to save face. The official, the official writing was it was an accident. Yeah. Yes, so that's exactly. where it gets into the whole, how much 100%. do we actually, would we actually know if this group was in quotes successful, right? But of what their goal was to, obviously we know that they attribute so many deaths and numbers of high ranking Nazi officials to this group, but um, yes. interesting. It's just interesting. But yeah, that was that was a major story um, that's kind of been pieced together through multiple tellings, um, yeah. including a book, I believe, that was written about certain resistance like this as well. Um, but that seems to be the main one, that they tried to poison the water supply, didn't quite work out for them, and then they tried the bread, and it kind of varies on if people died or not um, and what the official story says. But right. that seems to be the main one, especially from the guy who was interviewed like literally uh west 2021 now gosh four years, years. ago uh five years ago five years they interviewed ago. this man um and that's directly what he was talking about with that that plan specifically God, that's i can't imagine being being able to say i was he was part of this group and then i don't I, that's just wild that he was he he could have heard snoop dogg <laughs> yeah and the reason why <laughs> no, he said yeah, oh, yeah. just like overlooked that's that. weird to think no, but you overlooked that, but like that's a weird thought. He could have he definitely heard Selena Gomez or like some random like most modern person yeah, of like pop crazy. culture. This guy who's part of the din, right? Back yeah. in World War II. Like that's just it doesn't mesh it, to me. It shows you that like these events are not so far back in our future, which is scary, but also very not humbling, but you know, it's something that it deserves to be known and more people need to learn that history, including myself. Um, it, that it's not long ago that these horrible, horrible things happened and we don't learn them because we're horrible. We want to feel bad. We learn them because they deserve, like people deserve respect and it's deserved to look at it and see that this never happens again. Less than a hundred years is nothing. Less than a hundred years is a half of a half of a half of a second it's a flash in the pan a snap so um exactly that still also like wilds me out when because we've talked about stories that are like 1500 years ago uh, 500 years ago uh, like genghis khan right like thinking about another like mass like horrific event of just like cosmic proportions on humanity like that but being so far apart like it but it still feels so relevant and so yes like, close by um makes you put i feel like you have to have your head on a swivel you know um because things like this human nature has been there it's real easy to get to a point where we're like yeah we're out of the woods of all that and it's like no we're not we are we have to actively fight against that hatred and yeah that is something that is up to every single person living to do. And that for that, we have to stay vigilant on that. We can't let things slide because again, things like this happen. This is not just a, a really long time ago thing. 
this is all. But here's the thing too. We, we, I, I've been talking about this. Well, I've been thinking about this more recently as well. Mm-hmm. Like people are more on the lookout for th- identical, right? They're looking for twins in history. Yeah. They're looking for uh, when essentially it's never going to be a repetition. It'll be in a new form factor. So I, that's what always gets me. Like when people were talking about, well, this person's a new this, right? When we're talking about leaders or corrupt or horrible people and they're saying well yes. he's the new this guy he's gonna be do what this guy did in my mind i always I, I it baffles me a bit because i think you're not gonna know it honestly i feel like i'm not the people who are gonna do horrific things play on a certain human nature and so mm-hmm. that's what stays the same but the person the ideas they could come from anywhere at any time in my opinion it's gonna be newer it's gonna be slicker it's it's always gonna evolve and so mm-hmm. I, the, the, um, just that thought of, um, you know, the history repeats itself line. I used to believe it pretty heavily, but I don't know that it does. It never happens the same twice in my opinion, from what I've been reading. It's, that is meant more of a generality to me. That's the way I've always taken it. It's like, I, I do believe that history does repeat itself because humans have, uh, in our Human nature, nature repeats itself certain maybe. things that we lean towards and so like again like if you're if you're trying to be specific it's more like okay hitler um how did he amass the followers that he did right like how did he gain not a people's trust per se but how did he amass his group right that core element of what made him obviously so deadly and him being in power like that could show up in human nature anywhere any leader mm-hmm. could show those like push those same buttons yeah, uh, and turn into something similar. So you're right. I it's totally never agree. an easy conversation to talk like this, but it's I, not, which is why like I have to be careful with what I'm saying to be mm-hmm. clear really, because I'm not saying bad things aren't, I don't know. Just when we discuss this type of overarching evil, right? Yes. We're talking about evil, but then we're also talking about a group of people who felt, necessity or felt justified in doing evil as well if the evil is the same it's really how you categorize it i guess but it, i don't know how to it's, feel <laughs> yeah and i to, can't i can't even imagine it. like i can't even imagine um that is one of my biggest regrets uh i went to um dc earlier again when it was safer um early last year mm-hmm. um and I got to, again, was very social distance with everybody, but didn't get the chance. It was closed, but the Holocaust Museum, I heard, is one of the best um, museums downtown. Yeah. And I did not get to go. It was full. I tried because uh, I was there for three or four days. And, uh, yeah, I've heard it's incredible, and that's something that's, like, on my bucket list I need to go do. Because yeah. um, I can't even imagine. Um, I know I'm going to cry. But that's what I'm saying, like, when you – like I can't even imagine walking out of that and then thinking that, you know, these people hunting, you know, hunting Aren't people justified. down. That, yeah, it immediately goes like this is what they sh- like. It's what any rational person would feel like you would do if you felt like your wor- this was happening to you and your or if your family was attacked or all you know everybody that you knew was attacked and killed. Like, yeah, like it. I know it's such a difficult topic and so many, again, it's not gray, but it is also gray because, you know, um, killing people is still killing people and it's hard to be like, well, that one's justified. 
but still like but see then i say that but then i go well is it because i mean i don't i don't know i don't know i know i don't know. It's, I, don't, uh, I don't have the the uh nearly the credentials to have an opinion on this me i'm neither. just trying and to i don't have it. the moral code it's such a it seems like it'd be pretty straightforward my brain wants to go well yeah of course like you know look what just happened mm-hmm. you know but obviously there's more nuance than that yeah um and well, so that i note, try to give it to respect that it deserves yeah on that note uh let's take a break and we'll come back to more yeah all right welcome back uh we are talking about the avengers thank you for listening if there was an ad there there probably isn't yet i'm working on it i promise um very hard actually (laughs) to get uh some ads for us jeffrey but uh appreciate you guys listening through all that and uh sticking with us as we talk about status thing now huh it's more just like a mental goal than it is yeah it's not like we're gonna make (laughs) the money (laughs) no no, it's more personal. And now it's like, yeah. okay, this is a I challenge. can do this. This is a goal. Yeah. So we're working on it, but thank you guys for listening um, and making it this far. So yeah. uh, we got a couple more stories for you, Jeffrey. Um, we're, these are we're at the halfway mark shorter. and there's more stories. There is. <laughs> there is. They're, they're, they're shorter. Um, but just to give you a couple more, again, there was not a lot of information on this in general. That, like I, I did a w- lot of searching. You wouldn't expect there to be, honestly. I feel like it's kind of a miracle we probably know of this group because they had to operate in secret even from their own, you know, uh, yeah. side. And so it would feel like one of those things you might get a story or two, but not really a whole picture. So um, exactly. whatever you got, throw it out there. Yep. Just got uh, a couple more, but they're very short. Um, so the second story I have just jumped right in. Um, so there's a story says a, a battered old car had been parked in the town square of Sonderhausen in the early hours of January uh, 1946. It looked abandoned and the passing workers never even gave it a second glance. But had someone looked inside, they would have seen a beefy looking man lying on his back behind the seats. He was trussed up like a chicken ready for the oven. Tape was spread over his mouth and hidden in his boot was a case of dynamite. Um, a man calmly opened the car and opened that boot. He lit the long fuse and rapidly walked away. 30 seconds later, that car exploded in a blinding flash, shattering windows all around the square. A din assassin had struck and the world now had one less Nazi war criminal. Uh, wow. The man bound and gagged in the backseat of the car was former. Oh God, I'm going to butcher this because it's, (laughs) it's so long. Amstenfer Conrad okay. Sherman, uh, who had been one of the 800 SS men being held for interrogation at a camp in Munster. Okay. Uh, it was claimed that Schumann had forged identity Minster, papers. Did you say Munster? Uh, Munster. It's Munster. Okay. Okay. Sorry. At least so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, it was claimed that Schumann had forged identity papers that described him as being the only member of a German tank division not an SS officer, but it was later discovered that he had been in a concentration camp commander and responsible for many deaths. Mm-hmm. So he tried to get away with it. Um, now he was handed over to the, to members of the den who were wearing French uniforms and taken by one of them to a little town of Schonderhausen where he was executed. Uh, his death 
was hushed up by the authorities and simply referred to in a report as a terrible accident. So that's the person I was talking about. Wow. Um, yeah. So he tried to get away with, you know, not yeah. His so war you're crimes. Gonna, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna try to assimilate into whatever l- l- lesser evil path there is. So once they lose and they start getting into capture, like how do you? Yeah. How do you? I guess some people might have disappeared because there's stories I've heard rumors of you know, um, high ranking uh, Nazi uh, officials escaping or not knowing where they ended up. So right. that must Are we talking be, about the the conspiracy theory that they ended up somewhere in South America. With <laughs> I'm Hitler? not talking about Hitler himself, but I'm talking okay. about <laughs> I am talking about um I can't remember the names, but there's been a few that were like high, it was on some history channel episodes when they've mm-hmm. talked about World War II about supposedly um some people got away, some people snuck away um and uh also, it, it was kind of funny enough. It was in the same discussion on where we, the U.S. took a lot of their scientists, um, and oh, so right. like some of them right. disappearing. And anyway, it's just an interesting uh, episode. I remember just growing up watching. Um, yeah. So yeah, but I that seems imagine. like. Can you? I feel like 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 put ourselves in that situation. Mm-hmm. Not 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 put ourselves in that situation, <laughs> but put, yeah, put no, us in that timeline, right? getting away and changing your identity would almost seem easy. Like, I mean, not, not necessarily changing like credentials of what you did or what you were maybe, but like mm-hmm. if I'm a, like me right now, if I wanted to look different tomorrow and I didn't have social media and I didn't have all these photos of me lingering out there on the, in the world for people sure. to be, for, of me to find, I can believe. Yeah. Yeah, dye your hair. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people dye whatever hair you have left. Away would be my assumption. Yeah, and the chaos—it's got to be chaos. Like how how structured could that be when they're capturing people left and right, and it's war? There's losing losing ground, gaining ground, people running, people you know, like people dying. Like how do you oh, keep track sure. of that? There's no way. Like yeah, I don't think at all, even close to capturing the amount of people. Um, that were responsible. truly responsible. There were people that got away a thousand percent, like lots of people. Um, yeah. but the fact that some of them found some sort of justice, you know, this guy got captured, obviously. Yes. And gagged and kidnapped and put in a car and then, wow. That's right. Interesting. Um, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I know. Sorry. This is kind of a solemn episode, yeah, but it's I okay. felt like it, it's, it's I felt real. like it was deserved. Um, well, yeah, you're not, we're not going to sugarcoat. I mean, this is what actually happened. This is what this group actually did. Yeah. It's History is it. ugly, man. History yeah. has ugly spots, lots of them. And so it's just, it's hard to avoid um, these things that are so huge and affect the future and how you perceive things. So I thought it was appropriate. Yeah. Uh, okay. So the last little story I have um, is more of a statement. Um, the last person killed by the revenge squads were Alexander Lack who had run the Jagla uh, concentration camp in Estonia. Uh, Under his rule, 100,000 had been murdered. And in 1960, Lack must have thought he was safe in Canada, but a revenge squad found him and hanged him. So, Mm. yeah, like a lot of these people, like, again, tried to run away and lead normal lives. But they, again, what they did still caught up to them. Yeah, I'm looking at a photo of him. Are you? It kind of gives me, yeah. Anyway, yeah. continue. Um, 
but yeah, so those are the, those are the three stories I could find. Um, obviously, like I said before, there was not a lot to go off of besides the main story that seemed to be this same one about the bread and poison. Um, but those are the main stories I wanted to speak. And then, uh, yeah, uh, during world war two, Jewish resistance fighters launched attacks, created underground networks, led rescue missions and documented their experiences at a great personal risk. But though those historians have ample evidence of such, such acts of defiance, the idea that Europe's Jews didn't fight back against the Nazis persist. So that's half the reason why I wanted to do this. Um, yeah. And I have a couple examples because I think they're opening up a museum in this article. It's probably been open for a couple of years now um, yeah. about these stories, which are, are very appropriate. And honestly, I want to go. Um, so one such story is of Tosha Altman. Can I young stop woman. you one second real quick? Yeah, uh, yeah. Mainly for, for one one thought that I just I'm reading about this. So first of all, mm-hmm. this Alexander Lack guy, complete yeah. horrific human being from what I'm reading. Yes. Um, but I interesting note about you talking about the Avengers Squad because it's mentioned here um, that it says basically that it's speculated, right? Because supposedly he was found. He hung himself, right? And supposedly it's speculated oh. that Lack was killed. But hold on, killed by. Um, this name, I'm not going to say it because I'm going to butcher it. And it said, Israeli journalist Michael Elkins claims that Lack was in fact confronted one day after his wife had left their house to go to the movies by mm. a Jewish Avenger squad that clandestinely, right, we already talked about what they did, but it, he yes. was, according to Elkins, confronted with his crimes and their intended punishment, and he accepted their offer of being allowed to commit suicide rather than be killed. So he killed himself in front well, of them. Basic, essentially. Supposedly yeah. that's what it's speculated that they were said you have a few options of how to do this, but you're going to die. And so yeah. he took Wow. Wow. That's that's, that's intense shit. That's, that's heavy. And the fact that they tracked him down to Canada, like they again, this was not like a you know, if they were in the area, they hunted this men, these men down. Yep. Yep. A lot of wow. tried to get away and those those are just two examples of people that tried to run away in different areas and got caught trying to live normal lives. And they're like, nope. That's, yeah, that's kind of insane. It's very insane. Um, Sorry to interrupt yeah, you. No, you're totally fine. You're totally fine. Uh, I just had a couple examples of some of these resistance things uh, that were included in this museum. Okay. It's open. Um, so one of the stories was of Tosha Altman, a young woman who used fake Aryanized papers to smuggle herself into Poland's ghettos. As a member of the social Zionist movement, uh, Hashmer Hatzar, Altman invaded, uh, invaded ghettos, organized resistance groups, spread information and moved weapons. Um, what'd they say? Oh yeah. At just 24 years old, she participated in the Warsaw ghetto, ghetto uprising, but was captured and died of her injury shortly thereafter. So that's just one heroic story, again, of just resistance fighting, moved weapons, underground. Like, that's got to be just intense as everything. Like, What's amazing that is that I've never heard on, of any of this. Yeah, yeah, me neither. I know, it's so intense. Um, another one is uh, Philip Mueller, for instance. Uh, he smuggled evidence of Nazis' atrocities out of Auschwitz while working as a member of the Sonderkommando 
or units of the Jewish prisoners assigned to the gas chambers and crematoria. Wow. Uh, Berlin resident Hermann Baum, meanwhile, uh, started the anti-Nazi pro-communism Baum group in the 1930s. When he was forced to work at a factory in 1940, Baum recruited other young forced laborers, expanding the group's members to around 100 people. Um, and in May of 1942, the bomb group led an arson attack against the Soviet paradise, an anti-communist, anti-Semitic exhibition that attempted to justify the Nazi invasion of the Soviet Union. Wow. Uh, many involved in the bombing, included Baum himself, were arrested and executed. Some of these who managed to escape later offered personal accounts of their experiences. Wow. Yeah. So in conclusion, is, uh, a statement is about like whether we're talking about a quiet act of bravery or bold acts of rebellion. These stories really leap off the page. Um, that was my intention of today's podcast was to make sure these stories were heard. Yeah. So that's kind of how I wanted to close it out. No. Yeah. That's really good. Um, it's just, uh, it's again, it makes you think it makes me think a lot of things makes me feel like I have to go through that moral landscape and try to, understand yeah. my feelings on it all. And then also hearing some of these stories that just sound horrific again, just when you, whenever I hear something like that, it, you can't, you can't turn away from it. So I have to, you know, I know. Um, it learning makes me, about it helps. Uh, yeah. It definitely makes me want to get more educated on everything. Um, Cause I know like, again, like that's part of the, re- the reason why I wanted to do this podcast to begin with is to fill in gaps of things that, um, I've heard about, but don't truly know anything about it. Yeah. Um, like people's names that are lost to history, things that happen that I have no, like that's what's fun as well to me, as well as like, I feel like my duty to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so I feel like this is great. And this just gets me started on like, okay, now I need to deeper dive into, um, even though it's dark, I need to deeper dive into this history cause it matters. Yeah. Um, hundred percent, hundred, one hundred percent. Well, I, uh, I enjoyed it. I, I mean, I enjoyed the mental. Yeah. Workout. I don't know. <laughs> I yeah. enjoy, well, I enjoy hearing enjoy this. It. This helps me understand as well, which is the point of this podcast. Like you said, something I didn't know, something that, um, will make hopefully someone out there think and, or do more research or sp- spark some sort of interest. So absolutely. Um, absolutely. And if you have a chance to go again, um, go to the Holocaust museum there in Washington, DC. Uh, it's in, I've heard it's incredible. You'll probably walk out crying. I know I would, <laughs> yeah. um, just even just hearing about it. Um, I've heard it's one of the best museums they have downtown. And even this one, like I need to look up, uh, where they have these artifacts and these stories at, but that's their own. Like, yeah, these people need to be supported. hundred so. percent. Well, thanks for bringing in the podcast, Jacob. Um, of course, another of course. one in the books. We're up to almost 60 now, I think. 57, 58, something like that. Total. Man, are podcast. we going to have a party for 100? Yeah, we'll we'll do something special <laughs> for 100. I don't know what we'll we do. Should. We'll do something. We should do like a like merch like 100 episode shirts. We sh- yeah. We should just <laughs> That would be fun. I was talking about that. You 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 want merch? If- you well, down for merch? When we hit a hundred podcast episodes, we'll maybe yeah. we'll make a piece of merch. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be we awesome. We should just set a goal. I know. We need to do that. <laughs> so that way everyone that knows. Goal. They can start counting. 
<laughs> if that, if that becomes down. of interest, if they want to b- become a casual historian, um, we're gonna t-shirt. we're gonna work on the designs now, so that way they're incredible by the time the hundredth episode pop out and just we're immediately go live. Time. Yep, there you go. <laughs> That's well, the goal. Uh, for those who have made it this far, thanks for listening. Um, make sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't on whatever platform you're using. Um, you yep. can find us on social media at Casual X History. Um, just a good place to keep up to date with what we're doing. If we can't post, if we can post new interesting articles, history pieces, anything we find outside of here, um, as well as little extras to tag on to these episodes that uh, help you understand these episodes more. Yeah. We like to either post an article or like a group of photos around something, put some visuals to the audio, um, just useful. So heck yeah. Well, thank All you right. guys so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye.